All right, my name is Jeremy. I'm an alcoholic. Jeremy. I'm going to get my little timer situated here. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I appreciate that. Um, and thank you so much, Monica, for having me come out. Um, really excited to be here. And thanks, Braden, for kicking us off, man. And uh, happy chips, everybody. Uh, happy birthday to you, 35 years. I mean, God, AA's transformation, right? And everything I, everything I can say can be summarized in that birthday pitch. <laughs> that was it. It was beautiful, you know. And uh, happy Memorial Day. <laughs> Memorial Day Eve, I guess. And no, I'm, and I'm just, I'm, my sobriety date is November 22nd, 2009. Um, I got sober when I was 19. I'll tell you when I was 18 and three quarters, this was not the plan. (laughs) And uh, thank God, you know, thank God. And uh, my sponsor is a guy named Matthew M. And uh, he's a, I have a friend who says, uh, he says, I have a sponsor and that guy knows he's my sponsor still. <laughs> I love that. You know, uh, I talk to him. I call him. He knows that, you know, we're involved. And uh, so my sponsor is Matthew. My uh, home group is the Hermosa Beach Men's Stag um, up in uh, Hermosa Beach. <laughs> Case you can gather. Yeah, yeah, it's a good guess. And uh, so if anyone's around at uh, on a Monday night, any guys up there, come come say hi. My other home group is the Thursday night. 11 step group in Manhattan beach. Uh, so if anyone's looking to do a little meditation by a fireplace, that's a great place to go, uh, Thursday nights and God, um, so when I was nine months old, my parents got divorced. And so growing up, it was just my mom and my two older sisters and me. Right. And, um, it was one of those situations where my dad, uh, I guess when I was in, you know, maybe kindergarten or first grade, uh, like the birthdays would come, the birth, my birthday would come. He'd, he'd send a, he'd send a little card, you know, a little message, love dad, a little check, maybe $14 or something. Yeah. And, uh, love dad, you know, and then he'd call and we'd talk and he was a stranger, you know, but, uh, we would talk and cause he, he immediately split and went to Arizona. So I, I hadn't seen him, but occasionally he would call. By the time I was in, you know, maybe third grade, it was uh, no contact, right? Like the cards stopped coming, the phone calls stopped coming, the $14 check stopped coming. And uh, it was just my mom and my two sisters, you know, and and we grew up in low income housing. It was a single mom raising three kids, you know, not a huge salary. And uh, it wasn't until I got older that I realized what she did for us, <laughs> you know? She was an incredible, is an incredible mom, incredible. It was one of those, you know, um, start buying Christmas presents in August uh, so that by December you have a great Christmas, you know, that kind of thing. She's an incredible woman. And, um, but it was also, you know, it was, uh, we had a house phone and it was, you know, don't answer the house phone because that's where the creditors (laughs) call, (laughs) right? And so you let that go to voicemail, screen the house phone. It was one of those situations. But for me growing up, it was, there was so much love in the house, you know, so much love. And, uh, but it was, I had this feeling and I I couldn't really pinpoint it. Um, and the way I, I came to describe it, like in middle school, I had this, this notion, I, um, I don't necessarily subscribe to it now, but the, the notion was 
that it takes a man and a woman to come together to raise a normal functioning human being. And I'm missing the man piece, you know? Uh, and so obviously I'm not man enough. Obviously I'm not good enough. <laughs> obviously I'm damaged goods in some way, shape or form. And I'm gonna have to compensate for that. That was the feeling, you know? Um, and what, when I look back on that, God, I, I hanging out in AA, you meet some people, <laughs> you know? And, uh, a lot of those people, I've met people that don't have any single trauma that they can point to that that hits them in their alcoholism. Like, oh, it must have been this. It could have been this. I grew up with this. Bro. You know, they don't have anything that they can point to. And yet when they drink, phenomenon of craving develops, allergy happens, you know. And then I've also met people with seemingly every good reason you can imagine to be an alcoholic. And they're not, <laughs> you know. And so what is it? And for me, I, getting sober, I came in and uh, reading the big book, the big book talks about a spiritual malady, you know, and I, and God, I subscribe to that, you know, cause I, I, for forever, when I got here, I blamed my dad for why I was a drunk, you know? And, and when I look back, I don't think it was him. I think I have a spiritual malady that separates me from you and it grabs onto anything it can to do that. And so it grabbed onto the dad thing. If I had a dad, it would probably grab onto a mom thing or a, Tall, a poor thing, a short thing, a nerdy thing, whatever thing, always it's separating me from you, you know? And, but I had the dad thing. So I ran with it. <laughs> That's what I had. And, uh, and so I didn't know any better. So I just kept growing up. And then I remember, um, when I was in eighth grade, uh, I found my mom had this little liquor cabinet and me and my friend found this bottle of Malibu rum. Yeah. And, uh, it was, uh, but it was like kind of sticky, <laughs> you know, it gets sticky. Um, it was like a sticky bottle of Malibu rum and um, like half drank. And, and I remember we, we grabbed it and we drank it. And God, I got to tell you, I knew from the moment that I took that first drink that this is going to be an incredibly important part of my life. Drinking is going to be fundamental to my life because what it did, I, the best way I could describe it is it's like what happened if any, if you ever read a spiritual book and it, and anyone describes being in the present moment that's what happened i was in the present moment i didn't have to be better than you i didn't have to be worse than you i didn't have to be different than you what it did is it bridged the gap between me and you it was like a treatment for the spiritual malady it bridged the gap i could feel connected i could feel a part of and and yet i didn't really need anybody you know uh it would be great if you wanted to hang out <laughs> but it wasn't necessary i didn't need anyone you know, I was good for the first time in my life. I was good. I was there, you know, you know, that sweet spot. I remember, uh, I used to go, uh, I always figure out how can I describe like the sweet spot? You know, there's that sweet spot of, um, yeah. One speaker calls it just trying to get there. I'm trying to get there, you know? And, uh, I remember I was, when I, at this old building I used to live at, I'd go for a run around this park in this neighborhood. And then every day, sometimes like middle of the day, Tuesday, 3 p.m. right going for a run and i'd see this guy and he would set up these um these big like concert speakers you know like in his front yard right he'd have a lawn chair and he had these two concert speakers just pointed at him <laughs> blasting <laughs> blasting metallica and he'd have like a whole case of beer just sitting on his lawn just metallica just bumping you know and i was like god it's a guy who knows how to live <laughs> you know? he's there <laughs> He found it, you know, he found it. And like, God, I just so relate to that guy, you know, um, I was just trying to find my sweet spot and I found it, you know? And so my whole, 
my whole life from that point forward was centered around getting there. Immediately, it was no, it was, it was always about internally getting to that spot, you know, and I had to, whatever, I had school and I had things to do. And so always just sitting in school, just waiting to get out so I could get there, just waiting for the weekend so I could get there, waiting for the party so I could get there, you know, and I learned pretty quickly, you don't actually need a party. It's, I called it partying always. Uh, It's not always a party when you're like alone in your room by yourself, you know, but I called it that it just felt better. (laughs) And so I'd always call it that. And and I went for the party and, uh, and I remember I was 16 and I got a job at this, uh, I got a job at this grocery store. Right. And I found out pretty quickly, they had a large alcohol inventory, you know, and I saw this kind of a uh, entrepreneurial opportunity, if you will. Um, turned out the, the, the camera frosted over in the beer cooler <laughs> and I, and I was like, mm, you know, and, uh, and so I, I would just take it and I would put it in my trunk and then I would just sell it to my friends. Right. And I grew up in, um, I, there's some San Diego people. I grew up in Poway. Yeah. Some nods, <laughs> the green and the gray. <laughs> um, yeah, I grew up in Poway and uh, I was born in Oceanside and I grew up in Poway. And, uh, so I was at this little Poway grocery store and I, and I, I remember, so Bill Wilson in the big book talks about having this, I have arrived moment. You know, I can tell you mine. I peaked pretty early. <laughs> um, I could tell you mine. <laughs> Bill Wilson made it a little further in life than I did, but I will tell you mine. Uh, I was 16. No, I was 15 and a half. And I had just gotten my uh, my driver's permit and my worker's permit so I could work at this grocery store, right? Because uh, I didn't have that job for long. <laughs> no, I didn't think about this out loud. And, um, and, I, and I, had got, I got my grandma's Buick Regal Custom. <laughs> 99 <laughs> white and uh and i had and i had this uh big blonde afro you know and i had this this car and i had this trunk full of alcohol and i found my heaven <laughs> you know um i had arrived everybody wanted me around because in poway we could get some we could get some nasty substances <laughs> pretty easily on the street in poway but alcohol was very difficult to get and so i became as a, like a teenager you know and so i became a pretty popular guy you know probably not on a personal level but (laughs) they wanted me around you know and uh and when i look back on that man the that what that trunk full of alcohol represented that was my security that was my safety net as long as that trunk was full no matter what happens in my life i'm gonna be all right i just knew it you know, I just knew it. It was like the that alcohol, as long as that trunk was full, I had light at the end of the tunnel. I had hope. It was going to be all right, you know. And uh, there was some problems with the business plan, <laughs> you know. And uh, and I ended, I, I ended up stealing this bottle of Goldschlager. I got all fancy, you know, and I sold this Ooh. bottle of Goldschlager, you know, with the little gold flakes. Um, and I had that and they caught me. And, uh, and they fired me. And, and so I lost the job. And then a couple months later, I got kicked out of high school, like a couple months before graduation. And it just started tanking, tanking, tanking. And then a little bit later, I was, uh, well, I'll just put it this way. I was, I was driving in my car. I was like, there was a six lane road and then a big median kind of, or like kind of a curb thing. And I was, and I was driving all in the far right lane. Right. And then I opened my eyes, <laughs> which is not really what you want to do when you're driving, you know? And I was on the other side and I had totaled this car and I, 
I was getting, I was in this lawsuit. I crashed this car literally like a block from the Poway Sheriff Station, you know, and like some guy probably heard it, you know, he was like typing, he's like, holy, you know, and I, and I crashed and, uh, and, uh, and I was, and I was going to jail, you know, that I was sitting, I remember I was in a daze and I was blacked out kind of, but I remember enough that, uh, I remember seeing that I was sitting in front of the car and then they started putting stuff on the trunk, <laughs> I don't know if you've ever been in that position where they start putting stuff on the, you don't want anything on the trunk, on the hood. They put it on the hood. You don't want it on the hood. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's not where you want that. And, uh, and I was going to jail, you know, and um, uh, fast forward. Um, I got out of jail and I was like, okay, you know what? Knowing what I know now and having gone through all that stuff that I just went through, like I'm staying sober. You know, also a public defender said I should go to rehab before the judge sentences me to one. It'll look better. Right. So I go I go to rehab and um, and I'm like, dude, I'm staying sober, you know, and and I really meant it. And for 30, I remember 33 days sober, I celebrated, <laughs> you know, I, uh, I drank and uh, I felt like I'd earned it. I was like, you know what it took for me to get 33 days? You know what that took? You know, internally, the anguish it took for me to get 33 days. And I remember I drank and um, and uh, and I was right back off. I finished rehab. I kind of played the game and I finished and I was a little rehab all star, you know, and uh, I had drank right in the middle. I didn't tell anybody and I didn't get caught, you know, and I was like, cool, I got this. And, and I took off. And then six months later, I'm back in jail. Um, and, and I was like, dude, I can't I don't want to do it anymore. Like, I don't want to do this anymore. And this isn't who I was trying to be. You know, and uh, uh, I remember I, when I was out of jail, I uh, I <laughs> I was determined that I was going to stay sober. And I remember as soon as I got home, everyone was gone. It was just me. And I got home and I was living at my mom's house. Right. I was it was right before I got started. I was 19 and um, no one was there. And I and then it just it hit me. The obsession hit me. And uh, and I needed it. It wasn't like I wanted it. It wasn't like I was trying to party. It I needed it, you know? Nothing was going to happen in my day until I got it. And I remember I had a bottle of Bacardi in, a, in my closet from the trunk days, <laughs> you know? And it was stored away for a rainy day. And here we are, rainy day. And I, was, and, and I can't tell you the relief I felt just knowing that I had the bottle. I didn't even drink it yet. I just knew it was there. Light at the end of the tunnel was back. You know, and I go into the closet and it's gone. My mom had taken, she found it and she, she had taken it. When I was new, I used to say she stole it. <laughs> I don't say that anymore. Um, she had taken it and, uh, and I, the panic, you know, the panic God, you guys remember running out? Anyone ever ran out, run out? Oh, I don't wish that on my worst enemy <laughs> running out. You know, I ran out and, uh, and, and as long as I had the trunk full of alcohol, I was good. And I didn't have, it. you know, as long as I had a supply, I was good. And I didn't have it and I needed it. And I start rummaging through the house, desperate, like rummaging through the house, rummaging, trying to, you know, you start opening drawers, <laughs> you're just trying to find it. And, uh, and I'm, I'm opening things and obviously it's not there. And so I'm like opening drawers and I open this drawer in my mom's room. Like she's trying to find, I'm like, where did you put it? Where did you put it? And I open this drawer and, uh, and there's books there. They're, they're uh, prayer books. And there's a book about a mother helping her son trying to get sober, you know? And dude, I just felt, 
Uh, I was close that drawer. <laughs> so not what I'm trying to do right now. That is not the drawer. And so <laughs> I close that drawer and I open the next drawer and there's an envelope full of cash, like a lot of cash, like thick. And uh, we didn't grow up with money. And I don't know what that cash was for. Like, I didn't know at that time what that cash was for, but like, obviously it was for something. We don't just have cash <laughs> kicking it in drawers, you know? And I, and, and I remember my mind was like, do not. That's a line I drew in the sand and I'm not going to cross it. And yet there's this little thing in me that's like, you'll pay it back. <laughs> you'll, but, they, but really this time, I didn't have a good track record, but this time you're going to pay it back. You're going to pay it back. Just take a little bit, just enough, you know? And so I take just enough. And then the next day I'm out a little bit more, you know, next day I'm out a little bit more, a little bit more day after day, a little bit. More. And before you, I mean, eventually the, the envelope is so small that like, what am I going to leave $5, you know? And so you just got to take the whole envelope and just pretend, you know, I don't know what happened to it. And so I just took the whole envelope, you know, and I just did. The point is I didn't want to be that. <laughs> that wasn't the plan, you know, and that's what it was. And I remember uh, um, I was in a lot of legal trouble and it was, in, it was dark, it was dark. And I was, in, I was in a lot of legal trouble and I couldn't stay sober. And the judge gave me the deal of a lifetime. He said, dude, I'm gonna make, I'm gonna make you the deal. He said the words, this is the deal of a lifetime. Just please don't mess this up. You're gonna stay physically sober for 16 weeks. You're gonna go to these classes. You're gonna do these things. And if you complete it, I'm gonna make your problems go away. And I know you can do it. Don't mess this up. And I was like, dude, knowing what I know now and having gone through everything that I just went through, I don't care what it takes. I don't care how miserable I am. I'm staying sober. For me, sobriety and misery were like hand in hand, <laughs> you know? So I just assumed, you know, if you're sober, you're not happy, but I was willing to be not happy. And I, in about 11 days in, I drank. And uh, I couldn't meet the judge's demands, you know, I'm drinking and using as hard as I ever had. And I go back in front of the judge and I'm going to jail, big boy jail, you know? Now I'm sure you guys can't really tell from my rugged exterior, but like, I'm not really like a jail guy, <laughs> you know? It's not like really where I fit in. Um, and uh, I say that with respect, of course, I really don't believe anyone in our soul is really belongs there. <laughs> you know, I think we get stuck. And, um, and I was going to jail. There was no chance, you know? Um, and uh, so I go back in front of the judge and he's like, look, man, I don't know why I'm going to do this. Same deal. Stay physically sober. 16 weeks, complete the things. And I'm going to, I'm going to hook you up. Last chance. Last chance. Please don't mess this up. He's like begging. And, and I mean, it's the story of my life, man. I had judges i had police officers i had family i had friends i had counselors psychiatrists like everybody was on team jeremy just stay sober everybody and i just couldn't do it man and i remember three days into that i had i had no hope of staying sober i really meant it and i couldn't i was day three i just drank the hopelessness of that i was like dude it's not happening i'll just ride this out I, at least i can you know have my medicine as long as i can and I just, I just drank. And I remember it was, I don't remember too much before after this, but it was like three in the morning and I'm 
I'm pacing around, um, and uh, and I I went to we had this dry erase board where you write like you know groceries and stuff, and I go to this dry erase board and I just write help in all caps, you know, and then I just passed out. And I woke up in the morning. I totally forgot I wrote that. And I wake up and I and I look at the dry erase board and there's there's help. There was like my first step in black and white on a dry erase board, just burned. I mean, I got to tell you guys, that image is just burned into my brain, you know? And when I think about that, I don't believe that my mind wrote help. I think my soul wrote that. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like, I think my soul wrote that, you know? My mind is always trying to play the game. My mind is always trying to get the recipe right. Okay, that was a little too much down or a little more up or, you know, a little less of that, a little more of that. Okay, a little less of that guy. Hang out with these guys, you know. I was always trying to get the recipe right. Always trying to get the recipe right. And uh, something in me deeper than my mind knew that you're never going to get the recipe right. You know, and, uh, and, and there it was. It was. It's almost like there's this light in me that's just begging to burst out you know and in my there was a chink in my ego just in my selfishness it shuts it down and i got out of the way just enough that a little bit of light could come through and it wrote help on that dry erase board and when i look and i remember my mom had seen it and she went to work and she responded with like this mom says i'm gonna help you xo xo <laughs> i was like god damn it um but something broke you know, something broke. And, and it seems it's been my experience that the, the grace really moves into my life when I get out of the way. And I got out of the way. I got out of the way just enough that within a week of writing that I was in a car driving up to Los Angeles to get sober. Just like that. <laughs> All these circumstances lined up and I'm going to this 90 day place. And uh, I thought it was a little too soon. I, didn't, I was like, let's not rush into any major life decisions. Um, they didn't seem to share that. And so we're in the car and driving up to LA and, and I go to this place and I'm, and I'm signing this 90 day agreement. And he's like, Hey, I just want to let you know, uh, thank you for signing that, but it doesn't mean anything. Um, because this place is actually a year and a half. <laughs> and I, God, and I remember as soon as he said a year and a half, it was like, my shoulders just kind of like dropped down, you know? And, and then I had this feel like I felt like I could take a breath. Like I had this deep breath and I was like, and the thought, the thought that came to me, was like, thank God. I was like, thank God. And I don't know where that came from, but where I think wherever that came from, I don't think my mind said, thank God. I think my soul said that, <laughs> you know, I was done, man. I just, I couldn't do it anymore. And, and I don't know. I got to tell you, I say that because that came from a really deep place in me that, that, and from that day to this 13 years later, I've not had a drink from that moment to this. I haven't had a drink. I think it started right there. And I think I found a spiritual connection right there. And I think the whole purpose of me being in Alcoholics Anonymous, the inventories, the amends, you know, the sponsorship, pyramid, all of it is for me to, to find, develop and maintain that spiritual connection that happened to me that day. I think that's what it's about. I think it's all about that. And I think there's a lot of ways in which we do that. And ultimately that's what it's for. 
And I think that's been my saving grace was that spiritual connection I found November 22nd, 2009. And so what I'm doing here is I'm trying desperately to hold on to that. <laughs> that's what it's for, you know? And because for me, I don't disappear when things get real bad. I disappear when they get good. That's when I got it, you know? And so the for me, the great art of Alcoholics Anonymous is how do I maintain that depth of surrender that I had that day without the horrible circumstances forcing it, you know? That's the, the art. <laughs> That's the art. And and I think the way the way that happened for me is I, I ultimately I got a sponsor. I started working the steps like Braden was talking about. That's what it was about. I got it all the times. I remember Braden was sharing about being in a parking lot, getting uh, you know getting loaded. I, I had been in and out of AA a little bit, you know. And uh, I remember, and I remember when I was in that rehab, I was going to AA a lot. I had to keep going. And I remember actually there was a brief period after that rehab where I just went back on my own. I don't know what I was looking for. I, a part of me wanted to stay sober. Part of me just felt like I should, I don't know, I should be there. <laughs> and I remember I just went back and I, and I remember I had so much respect for that meeting and what was happening there. And I remember at one point I had so much respect. I, uh, I left my cocaine in the bushes outside. <laughs> Some sort of, I felt like it was such a sacred place that like I shouldn't bring it in there. You know? <laughs> and uh but it, it didn't take you know it takes what it takes there you guys had that reading i love that reading um you know the that's what they told me when i got here the bottom is when you stop digging maybe you hit it maybe you didn't but it's when you stop digging you know there's no amount of circumstances that represent a bottom it's internal right and and i guess i hit that bottom man and i got a sponsor and i started working the steps and um and i think and i think what happened to me was Bit by bit, it started chipping away at my my selfishness. That spiritual malady that separates me from you, right? And I remember, I remember when I when I was take, uh, I, I had two years sober, two years sober, and um, I stayed at that whole place, eighteen months. I <laughs> did the whole thing, you know, and uh, and I and I got out, and I made such a critical transition. And that transition was to to get. I was in like a recovery house kind of bubble, you know, which was so beautiful. The camaraderie, all of that, was so beautiful. And then I had to make the guys started getting loaded really fast. And I had to make a transition, which was to get out of that bubble and to get into AA. You know, and thank God I found the Hermosa Beach Men's Stag. Um, that got me, they got me into AA, you know, and I was in AA. I don't want to say like my, the recovery house wasn't AA. I don't want to say it like that. But that, but there was, it was my, I had a comfort zone within AA. <laughs> That's what it was. I had a bubble within AA and, and, it, and it burst. And I, and I started to really hear the music, man. Started to really hear the music, you know. And uh, and I remember I was taking two years, and uh, and it was my it was the night of my two years sober. And I took a cake at a meeting, and they're like, "Hey, um, come come hang out. We're gonna go to a haunted house." I was like, "God damn it!" <laughs> but I just wanted to be a part of. So I was like, "Great, awesome, love that, <laughs> perfect." I said, get in the car. I said, okay. So I got in the car and we're driving around Palos Verdes up there, you know, in South Bay, driving around Palos Verdes in like, at like 11 PM looking for this haunted house. Supposedly there's an abandoned house up there, right? And they're driving around, driving around. We can't find it. And I'm like, oh, thank God. <laughs> and then uh, I'm like, come on, we're just going to go home. We're going to bail. Okay. And so uh, we were driving back and we, we end up in my friend's house and he turns on the light and there's like 20 people there and they have a cake with a candle on it <laughs> to your 
cake and they sing happy birthday to me, you know? And God, I wanted to cry, man. <laughs> because for so much of my life, oh, a little battery on this phone. <laughs> um, for so much of my life, I, I didn't feel, I, I didn't feel like I made an impact. Like I didn't feel like it impacted anybody. You know what I mean? Um, like I didn't feel like I made a difference. I didn't feel like, like I didn't feel, I felt like I was in the periphery. You know, like I always felt like when I came to AA that this was your guys's meeting. And then I was a guest. I was a visitor, you know, um, and I never felt like I was a part of a meeting. And I remember I'd come to a meeting and uh, and there'd be the people with the commitments, there'd be people with all the stuff, you know, and and um, and I remember I getting a commitment and then some new guy coming and being like, hey, dude, like, I really like your guys's meeting. And I was like, don't you know, this isn't my meeting. <laughs> this is their meeting. I just, I have a commitment. I could not allow myself to be a part of it. I couldn't feel it, you know? Intellectually, I could tell myself, but I couldn't feel it. And I remember when they gave me that cake, God, I felt it. You know, I felt it. It was the, and what it was, man, is the love. I think, it, I think it's the love in the Alcoholics Anonymous that has really been chipping away at my, my ego. They didn't ship it away by, it wasn't the yelling. It wasn't the, the, it was the hard stuff, the, this and that. It was the love, man. Silently, bit by bit, just chipping away at my ego, you know? And I just kept coming and I kept coming and it kept chipping. Man. And, and it chipped enough that I could be a part of, you know? And, and it really started my journey here. And, uh, and, and luckily being a part of this with the sponsor I had um, at the time who, I guess I could tell you this. Uh, I don't really share it much, but. My first sponsor, a guy named Matt, uh, I remember I had a couple years sober and uh, I felt like we were very connected, you know, and um, he, but I just, I thought it was me. I figured it was me, you know, and, uh, and then it turned out like I heard through the grapevine all of a sudden, hey, uh, you know, Matt got fired from his job, mm -hmm. he blacked out at work, you know, and it turned out my sponsor had drank six months before like had had been drinking for six months but he didn't have the heart to tell me or anything. he couldn't tell me he had 10 years he went out you know and he couldn't tell anybody and then he ended up it just started unfolding unfolding and then he blacked out at work he got fired and all this stuff happened and so i asked this other guy to sponsor me and uh and he said you know what man i will sponsor you but um you need to find your old sponsor you need to take him out to breakfast you sit him down and you need to tell him all the nice, beautiful things that he's done for you and how he's helped you. And then I'll sponsor you. And so I did, man, I took him out to breakfast. He did not want to go because now suddenly I have, you know, two and a half years and he's got like three days and he's sitting at breakfast with me and I'm telling him all these nice, beautiful things that he's done for me. And it was a really emotional <laughs> breakfast, you know, I mean, cause that guy saved my life. You know, and he had this beautiful breakfast and then, and he kept trying to come back and he kept trying to come back and then they found him dead, you know, and he didn't make it. And, uh, and I saw pretty early on that this thing was incredibly serious. You know, I took it, I would, it's so easy to take it so casual when things are going so well, you know, and I started to, I had two and a half years, everything was good. My family was happy. Job was going fine. I had a car, I was paying my bills. Everything was fine. Like I can take off the step off this AA gas a little bit, you know, and I mean it. And it's God, it's a serious thing, you know. And um, and so I got this other sponsor, and uh, and then he ended, and literally within a couple of weeks of getting him, he moved away. 
And then, and then that's when I got my sponsor, Matthew. It was almost like that guy was there for like three weeks just to get me to sit my old sponsor down. You know, it's this beautiful thing. And, um, and then, so I got, I got the sponsor, Matthew, and we, and we just started hitting the amends. And one of the first amends that I had to make, um, I, I had a, I was working at a retail store and I, and I had a good holiday season, right. I was selling suits and stuff and I had a really good holiday season and, and I was not paycheck to paycheck for the first time in my whole life, you know? And I was like, Oh my God, <laughs> like I made it. And, uh, and then I rem- I had this feeling like, God, it's not your money. You know, and, and I remembered that there's some serious amends I got. And I, <laughs> so I went to this, I, the, one of the ones that popped up was this grocery store and I had worked with, with my sponsor and I'd sat down and I'd come up with the number of all that alcohol I was stealing in my trunk and how much would make that right. That I felt like in my conscience and my gut that that was the right number, you know? And, um, so I, I get in the car and I drive down to Poway. I have like maybe five years sober. I drive down to Poway and I go. Uh, no, I had less. I had like three years sober. I was driving down to Poway. I go to the grocery store and uh, I'm asking around for all the old people. I used to know nobody works there. So I find the store manager and he comes out and he's like, all right, what, what? I was kind of making a scene, you know, like I need the store manager. Yeah. And, uh, and so he comes out and he's like, what is, what can I do for you? And I was like, okay, look, I'm going to make this really simple. When I, I used to work here when I was in high school and I was a terrible employee and I stole almost every day. He's like, oh my God. <laughs> he's like, well, um, and I was like, but look, I have this check. All I have to do is sign it and date it. If I give it to you, can you deposit it in the store as if, you know, mm-hmm. as if I'm making a purchase? And he said, yes. I was like, okay, great. And I signed it and I was like, here's my name. Here's my email. Here's my phone number. If this check bounces or you have trouble, let me know. I'll write you. In. He was like, look, man, I don't know who the hell you are, <laughs> but, uh, I think you made this right. And I got to tell you guys, I didn't walk out of that grocery store I levitated <laughs> out of that grocery store you know you don't like you don't I I don't know how much something is weighing me down until I let it go you know um I didn't give to me growing growing up it was like oh nameless faceless corporation who cares you know and it wasn't about that you know it was about spiritual freedom and I tasted it yeah, from that amends and I was hooked man I was hooked and I had this this other big amends um Oh, I didn't tell you about it. So when I was in high school, 16, maybe I'll just paint the picture really quick. I had a bottle of vodka about halfway through. It was like three in the morning and I had my cell phone, you know, and I was feeling pretty chatty. (laughs) I don't know if anyone ever got chatty, you know, like, all right, what lucky soul gets to talk to me right now, you know? And, uh, and I was feeling chatty, you know? And so I, I pick up the phone and I, I'm like kind of just rummaging through the house and, uh, thank you. And I, uh, and I find this landline number for my dad. I haven't talked to him since second grade. Right. And I find this landline number for my dad. And I was like, now's the time. <laughs> now's the time to make this phone. And so I, uh, so I pick up the phone and I call the number and it's probably what four in the morning in Arizona or whatever. And so I, uh, it goes to voicemail and, uh, and I don't remember what I said, but I remember I just left this heinous voicemail, all that childhood angst, all the anger, all because I mean, he was my number one resent, you know, number one on the four step, I hate just so much loathing and it all just came out on this voicemail. Right. 
And then I never talked to him. It just happened. Isolated event. And then I remember I had like five years sober and I had this, it came up in, uh, in meditation, actually it came up and I was like, God, I should make amends for that. I was like, Oh, but I'll never find them, you know, whatever. And I was talking to Matthew one day about it. He's like, uh, have you ever looked, you know, sponsors get you sometimes like that, you know, <laughs> it's like, God, what a poignant question. <laughs> no, <laughs> never. Um, and I, I was like, oh, but I'll never, find it. you know, that bought me like a week of like, oh, it's going to feel so good when I make it, you know, that bought me like a week. And then he's like, have you looked? And I was like, ah, oh, no, but okay. He's like, okay, well, let's write a letter. And so I sat down and I wrote a letter and it was very simple. It said, dear dad, um, I left you a voicemail in high school. I don't know if you ever got it, but um, just in case there were better ways I could have expressed my emotions and I didn't do that. And so if there's any way I can make it right, just please let me know. Here's my name in case you forgot. <laughs> no, I didn't say that. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't say that. I just, God, it's only an AA that that whole room will laugh at a joke like that. You know, so dark. <laughs> Um, I just think it's really funny. So I say, but um, I said, here's my, here's my name. <laughs> here's my phone number. And here's my email. Uh, anything I can do to make it right. Let me know. And I remember I had this nice letter and, uh, and I was like, okay, I should look, I'll look, I'll see if I can find. Him. I found him in three minutes on Google. <laughs> like I, I was checking. I, checked, I was like, God, this is him. This is for sure him. You can find anything on Google. It's crazy. Uh, he's, I was like, wow, you bought this house and this date and I was like, God, this is him, you know? And uh, so I wrote this, I wrote this address I found on Google, you know, on this envelope, put the letter in it and I just mailed it. I was like, all right, God, it's your business now, you know? And three days later, I got an email from my dad. Thank God I wrote the email. I don't think he would have called, you know? He wrote, but I wrote the email and he, and he emailed me back and I got to tell you guys, um, this is the miracle of Alcoholics Anonymous. I didn't even read the email yet. I just saw his name, just his name. And I had just this wave, that same place where thank God came from that same place that wrote help on that dry erase, that same core. I had this feeling that this resentment is done, you know? And no matter what this email says, no matter what this guy says or does for the rest of your life, this resentment's done. All this too much man, too much estrogen, not enough testosterone in the household, all this growing up by women, you're damaged, all this, you're not man enough, it's done. It was like a feeling, you know, and I had, it was a conviction and I had that and I opened the email and it said, uh, Jeremy, I'm, I was really surprised to receive your letter. I do remember the voicemail. It's of course, no problem. And uh, I still love you and your sisters. And I wish things could have been different. That was it. And I just... It was so clear to me in that moment that this guy's doing the best he can with what he's got. And this is what he's got, <laughs> you know, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, this is what he's got. When I was getting loaded mentally, emotionally, spiritually, I was given what I had. And I hurt a lot of people, you know, and this guy hurt a lot of people. Um, and, and it wasn't that I forgave him. It was forgiveness happened to me. Intellectually, I had forgiven him. I did the right, I did the four step, fourth column, duh, 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 I did the whole thing, you know? And, uh, and I, and I, the journey from the head to the heart is a long one. <laughs> and it happened in that event, the head to the heart, you know? And it changed my whole life. Um, and 
in uh, 2017, uh, I got married, right? I was not marryable <laughs> when I got here. Like I wasn't someone that you just marry, <laughs> you know? And, uh, and I got married, right? And, um, and we had this beautiful, uh, I was telling some people before, we had this, we had this beautiful like elopement. We, got, we had our first date at this, in Palos Verdes actually, um, like overlooking the ocean on the cliffs. It was so beautiful. And uh, I just laid out way too much of my fist up on the first date. <laughs> just like, <laughs> you know, I, uh, she was like, that worked, but I really don't recommend it. <laughs> And I just laid it out, man. You know, I laid it all out. And, um, and she was like, Oh my God, I'm, uh, she's like, wow, you haven't drank since you were 19. I stopped drinking when I was 18. And I was like, Oh my God, you know, friend of Bill. She's like, who? (laughs) I was like, you know, Bob, ringing any bells, you know, none. And she's like, no, I, you know, I was blacking out in high school and I was drinking a bunch and I didn't like who I was becoming when I was drinking. And so I stopped. I was like, huh? <laughs> what a concept. You know? um, and, uh, <laughs> and it's beautiful woman. And, and so we got married, right? And uh, in, in October 5th, uh, 2021, our son Levi was Say nineteen months and uh, God, around. <laughs> let me tell you. Um, and it's because of Alcoholics Anonymous, I have the opportunity to be the father that I did not have growing up. You know, I can break the chain <laughs> of all these fathers. You know, if I was getting loaded, I don't know if I could stay. You know. Um, I don't think I could stay emotionally, mentally, spiritually. I wouldn't be able to stay. Thank God for AA. And I mean, when I got here, I came here so I could stay out of jail. That was my best thinking. That's all I had. I figured, I I remember when I was new, somebody took a cake for 14 years. I remember. I remember really vividly because I remember sitting there thinking, my God, like that poor guy, (laughs) 14 years, he's just been white knuckling it one day at a time, just trying not to drink, wishing he could, wishing he could drink, but then just not doing it one day at a time. I thought that's what AA was, you know? I didn't know that the obsession could be removed. I didn't know that there could be a life where I no longer desire, that the desire could be overcome. That was the spiritual gift in Alcoholics Anonymous. Being physically sober was just a prerequisite. That like just gets the thing rolling, you know? And, um, and I mean, God, and, and I look back now having 13 years and my God, <laughs> the, I drink, the, it talks about it being placed in a position of neutrality, safe and protected, right? I'm not for alcohol. I'm not against it. I just, the problem has been removed. That was my experience by working the steps. That was my experience, you know? And I remember, um, it's really hard to summarize how AA transforms you, you know, that's why I really loved that birthday show. I just thought that was so poignant, you know? And I remember, the only way I can, de- this is one way I can describe it. I remember I had 10 years and, uh, and I was the black sheep of the family, you know, g- getting loaded and stuff. And, uh, and I remember we, we went on this um, vacation for like a white Christmas, you know, we went to Big Bear, my mom, we, Poway, you don't get a lot of white Christmases, you know? And so we went to Big Bear, right? And, and it just so happened right on Christmas that we got a snowstorm and we had this beautiful Christmas. My mom was there. My sisters were there, fireplace, like the whole 
like a Hallmark movie, you know, it's just really nice. Thank you. And, um, you know, and we were packing up the Airbnb and we were leaving and, um, and it was all icy, you know, and, and I, and I had heard that I heard this like yelling from the driveway and I was like, God, what is that? And I kind of look outside and it was my mom and she had slipped on the ice packing the car and she broke her ankle in three places. And I don't know if you've been in that kind of pain, but like, you don't have a filter, you know? <laughs> so whatever comes, comes out <laughs> like that. And what she was yelling was go grab Jeremy, go grab Jeremy, go grab Jeremy. You know? And, and I'm going to tell you guys 13 years ago, nobody was yelling, go grab Jeremy. <laughs> nobody. I was not the go-to guy. Maybe the Poway Sheriff's Department. <laughs> but I was not the go-to guy. And so how do you how do you get from that to this? You know? Um, to me, I don't need any more evidence of a higher power than when I look around in the rooms of AA. I don't know what God is, but I see how God expresses itself in your lives, you know? And so... For that, I just want to keep sticking around and witnessing that. So I love you guys. Thank you.